Welcome to Pathway to Faith with Bishop Steve Howe. Turn your expectations high as you receive the word from our man of God. Prepare yourself to hear a life-changing message. Let's tune in now. Tonight on our midweek service, I want to continue in the vein in which I was ministering Sunday about uh, um, the number one the number one issue with us as believers, the number one issue with us as believers. And I shared with you that sin was not our number one problem. Let's quickly, I want to encourage you to get, if you. Quickly as possible, but tonight we're just going to continue where we left off. Let's turn our Bibles to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. Chapter 10. The Gospel of John. Chapter 10. The title of our message, as I said, we're continuing is ignorance is a killer. Ignorance is a killer. Uh, If nothing else, ignorance is a robber. Yes. And ownership is power. Come on, say that. Yeah. Ownership is power. Say it again. Ownership is power. Ownership is power. And the reason some people are lacking in ownership is not that they're not good people. It does not mean they don't love God. But the Hosea prophesied that we perish for the lack of knowledge. The people perish for the lack of knowledge because the leader is not feeding them knowledge. And tonight, I'm giving you knowledge. I'm giving you information. And may the wisdom of God overtake you. You're in John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Let's look together at verse number 10. A very familiar passage of scripture. John chapter 10, verse 10. Ignorance is a killer. Are you in John chapter 10? Verse 10. Ready? Let's read. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. We see three things that the enemy comes to do. He comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. Now, let's let's clarify who the enemy is. The enemy is Satan. The enemy is the devil. He is the enemy of your soul. Let's read on. But I have come, talking about Jesus now, what did he come for? He said, I come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So we see the comparison that the enemy comes to steal from us. He comes to kill and he comes to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come, not going to come. I've already come and I have come to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. A better translation would say he has come to give you the God kind of life, the kind of life that God has. He wants you and I to enjoy. But the thief comes to steal, to steal what? The God kind of life. He comes to to destroy what? The God kind of life. So Jesus said, I have already come and purchased this kind of life for you, but you have an enemy who comes to steal what I've done for you. He's come to kill what I've done for you. 
He has come to destroy what I've done for you. And here's the thing. If you don't know what he's done, then how can you capitalize on it? And when you don't know something's available for you that is available, that's ignorance. But we're here tonight with the help of the Holy Ghost to expel, to expiate, to remove, to liberate, to, 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 to annihilate any kind and all forms of ignorance that we might walk in the blessings of Almighty God. Can somebody say amen? So we see in John 10, uh, John chapter 10, verse 10, that Jesus has already taken care of the sin problem. Sin has been taken care of with Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. But we still have problems. We still have issues. But Jesus, come on, say it with me. Jesus has dealt with your sin problem and my sin problem. So your number one problem is not sin. The thing that is holding you back is not sin. Jesus, over 2,000 years ago, he dealt with the sin problem for you and I. And because we have received Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and Lord, the Bible says we are now not sinners, but we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And because Jesus has made us righteous, you better get a hold of this. You're not righteous on anything you've done. All of your goodness as is of filthy rags. But Jesus came to pay a price that you and I couldn't pay. And he paid it. And with that price that he paid, he opened up a door for us to be delivered from the powers of sin and to put on the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Righteousness just simply means because of Jesus, you and I are in right standing with the Father. Oh, glory to God. That's good news. Now, now listen to this. If you're living in a state of ignorance, life will never be abundant for you. If you're living in a state of ignorance, the abundant life will never be a part of your life. I imagine this. I imagine this. Uh, loving God, and, and I'm sure you know people like this. I mean, just imagine somebody loving God with all of their hearts, all of their hearts. I mean, with every fiber of their being, they love God. But while they're loving God, they're living an ordinary life. They're living a substandard life. They're living a substandard lifestyle. I mean, and they love God and we know God loves us. We know Jesus has purchased a lifestyle for us. And here it is. You got people in the body of Christ and they love God. And yet they're living an ordinary life. I don't know about you, but but I used to wonder why it seemed that people who don't even. At least to me, it doesn't look like or appear that God is anywhere on their minds. But they're living better than people who are confessing that they love Jesus. As a little boy in the Baptist church, I used to wonder, you know, why? I mean, people going golfing or drinking or just didn't go to church at all. 
uh, just didn't have anything to say about God or anything like that. And then you got this group every Sunday, every Wednesday, every revival, you know, on Monday revival service. They're in there on Tuesday revival. They're in there on Wednesday. They're in church revival on Thursday. They're in choir practice on Friday. They got Friday night revival on Saturday. Uh, they're washing cars and, and cooking dinners for the church. And on Sunday, they're in revival in the morning. They're in revival in the afternoon. They're in revival in the evening till midnight or sometimes after midnight and then yet you see another group of people it appears that God is nowhere on their minds and yet they're able to pay all of their bills and, and help other people with their bills living good living a good life driving in a good life eating a good life sleeping a good life and as a child I used to wonder you know why is this why at least to me in my little mind it was like it appeared to me that the people who confess that they love God had the least. And the people who appeared to not have God anywhere on their minds had the most. And I used to question God, you know, something's wrong with this picture. I said something's wrong with this, with this picture. And I've come to realize that the reason people are suffering is because of misplaced values. And some people are suffering because of, of, of social conditioning. They have been conditioned to think a certain way that keeps them impoverished. You've got to get Sunday morning's message to fully understand what I'm saying here. But, but we have to move on. I want to use this as an illustration. Uh, I know we didn't plan this, but I'm going to ask Pastor Redis if he would come real quick. Uh, uh, and I'm going to ask who else is close by. I thought I had somebody here. Where, where did they go? Yes, come on, come on, Minister, Minister Orphy. Thank, thank you so much. Just stand on each side. Uh, practice social distancing. Uh, one on this side, one on this side, please. You can put your mask down. It's social distancing. I'm not going to come close to you. But let's just, hypothetically, for an illustration, let's just say, um, um, Minister Orphy, wave your hand. I mean, he loves God. I mean, and anybody who knows a, a Minister Orphy, man, he loves God all day long. But just for, uh, as an illustration, uh, uh, Pastor Redis, who's of Harvest Church North in St. Joe's, let's just say he's full of the devil. I mean, God is nowhere on his mind. On Sunday, he's golfing. You know, on Saturday, he's cleaning his clubs. You know, I mean, just God is nowhere on his mind. Oh, okay. So what I want to do, uh, I know you're a godly man, and we're praying for you. But, but I want both of you to do something. There should be a distinct difference. They're going to tap into a law, a law of gravity. And I'm going to ask this godly man, would you jump in the air? Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, this ungodly man, would you jump in the air? Okay. Now, we're not expecting you to do this next uh, request. We're just not expecting you to do it. But, but we are expecting you. Would you jump in the air and stay for, oh, 20 seconds before you come down? Ready? Jump. Uh, 20 seconds. Okay. Uh, can you jump and stay up 20 seconds? Okay. He's trying real hard. You see his wings? <laughs> One more time, please. Okay. All right. We, we, three strikes, you out, so we're going to let him stay in. The point I'm simply making, it does not make any difference whether one is a Christian or a non-Christian. Love God 
or don't love God. When they jumped in the air, whether they were saved or not saved, they tapped into a set law. And that set law is the law of gravity. And it made no difference of the color of their skin, what side of the tracks they were raised on, uh, how they were raised, none of that. They tapped into a set law. And when they jumped into the air, that set law, the law of gravity, went into effect and pulled them both back down. Would you put your hands together in your home and give them a great big God bless you? Thank you so much. So do you understand that? It was a, it's, a, it's a set law. So it, I said it's a set law. I, I said it's a, it's a, the illustration was that they tapped into a set law. And that set law is the law of gravity. Yes? And notice, did you notice the effect on both of the persons? Did you notice the effect? Even after I asked the one who really loved God, uh, just to show all his godliness, would he just float in the air for a moment? And, and notice he came down just as fast as the person who didn't know God and didn't love God. Because the law did not care if they were saved or not saved. The law didn't care the color of their skin. The law didn't even care about their education or lack thereof. When they tapped into that law, that law went into effect, the law of gravity, and it did what it always does, and that is whatever is up, gravity will pull it down. Somebody ought to say amen. Well, success, oh Jesus, is the same way. To be successful, there are God-given laws that you have to tap into if you're going to be successful. And those set laws, Jesus, will work for anybody if they work them. Now, are you listening to me? Because it's, it's a set law. God also established from the beginning the law of life. God established from the beginning, just like gravity, he established the law of life to bring us this law of life that God established was established to bring us into the God kind of life. This set law of God was set to bring you and I, the believer, into the God kind of life. So what I'm saying to you, uh, people of God, is that God is not trying to keep the God kind of life away from you. He's already made provision and access for you to have the God kind of life. But for you to have it, you have to engage in the set laws that God has established for the God kind of life. Can somebody say amen? Now let's go to Ephesians real quick. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse 17. This I say, this is Apostle Paul talking to the church at Ephesus. He says, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, or as sinners, in the futility of their minds, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. So, 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 so when you don't tap into the, the set laws of God, or listen to me, then, then you alienate yourself from the God kind of life. Let, let's read on. Because of the ignorance, oh Jesus. So our number one problem 
is not sin. Our number one problem is what? Is ignorance. And for some people, it's, it's a double barrel. It's ignorance and laziness. But our number one problem is ignorance. The reason we don't have enough is ignorance. The reason we're not living better than what we're living is ignorance. I hope it's ignorance and not lazy. So our number one problem that is robbing us from the life that Jesus has provided for the child of God is ignorance. Hosea the prophet said that we perish for the what? For the lack of dancing? For the lack of shouting? For, for the lack of praising? No, we, we perish for the lack of knowledge. We perish for the lack of knowledge. So we perish because our thinking, get a hold of this, our thinking is aimless. Our thinking is aimless. We're not thinking to do things or to accomplish things on purpose. Oh, that's, that, that, that's, that's good stuff. Now, nugget number five in my former lesson, nugget number five was, was this. The vexation with ignorance is, the, is that most people under the shelter do not know that they are. In other words, there are people who are under the shelter or the covering of ignorance, but they don't know they are. I said they don't know they are. It, it is bad when you don't know. Yes? Wouldn't you all agree? It, it's bad when you don't know. But, but what's worse is when you don't know that you don't know. Have, have you ever tried to help somebody know something they don't know, but they don't know they don't know? So, so not knowing is dangerous. But not knowing that you don't know. It's even more dangerous. I heard this growing up as a child in my neighborhood. And this is before I started really studying the Bible for myself. But I heard church going people say this so much in my neighborhood. I thought it was in the Bible. And they used to say, what you don't know won't hurt you. And they kept saying that and kept saying that, you know, you know, what you don't know won't hurt you. But what about this? Well, just go on down the road. What you don't know won't hurt you. And I come to find out when I started reading the word of God that what you don't know can kill you. What you don't know can rob you of the God. Yes, you're saved. Yes, you love Jesus. Yes, you may be spirit filled. Yes, you may speak in tongues. But you can have all of that and be as poor as Job's turkey. You can't keep your lights on. You can't pay your rent. Your car's getting repossessed. You can't pay your mortgage payment. Are you listening to me? And, and while all these things are happening, you love Jesus. You're speaking in tongues, but you can speak in tongues and still be ignorant. Oh, God, I don't want to make anybody mad, but I am telling you the truth. So it's deadly when you don't know that you don't know. And that's what I'm trying to get you to understand now. I'm trying to get you to know some things that you don't know. So I don't need you to sit there with an attitude. I'm trying to help you. I'm not your enemy. Amen. I've been sent from God to give you information. I got a certified letter that I'm trying to drop off at your family that's going to change your life, change your family's life, change your business, change everything that you're connected to.
Don't sit there and don't sign the letter. The letter's not for me. The letter's for you. And if you'll receive it, glory to God, not only just not sign for it, but receive it into your heart, receive it into your spirit, it will literally change your life. Somebody ought to say amen. Amen. Say this. It's bad when you don't know. Come on, say it again. It's bad when you don't know. But it's worse when you don't know that you don't know. Now, having said that, let's go to Luke, perhaps the only Gentile writer in all the Bible. This medical doctor has something to say by the spirit of God. Look at Luke chapter 16. Man, this this passive scripture. Uh, man, I mean, I won't say stumble me, but but I just really I really struggle with this. Luke chapter 16. Are you there? Look at verse eight. Look, look, look at verse eight. Man, this, this is going to bless you. Look, look what it says. So the master commended the unjust steward. Did you see that? So the master commended not the just, the unjust steward. I'm going to read it again. So the master. He commended, congratulated, saluted, honored, acknowledged the unjust steward, not the just steward. He commended the unjust steward. Why? Because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons, than the sons of the light. Do you understand what that's saying, church? That people in the world are smarter, more shrewd in doing business than church folk. Consequently, a lot of the merchandise that we purchase as Christians, we buy it from non-Christians. Oh, God, I don't know. That ought to rattle your cage. Shrewd, shrewd implies... Uh, that often sinners are more sharper, more in tune, more ingenious than believers. And the reason this master uh, commended the unjust steward was because while the unjust steward was out of a job, he still found a way to take care of his family. And the reason I believe he found a way to take care of his family is because he had not been socially engineered to be a, a, a consumption, to be consumption ori- oriented. I believe the reason this, this unjust uh, steward was able to, to engage in activity, to produce finances, to produce income, to, to produce, uh, uh, finances so that he could take care of his, of his responsibilities in a time when he had lost his job. But when he lost his job, he didn't lose his mind. And his mind was not consumption oriented. His mind was production oriented. And that's why you find people who will live and die and never own anything. 
And the reason they don't own anything is because they have been socially engineered to be consumers and not producers. So every penny they make, every discretionary part of their income that they have, they use it to buy something, not to make something for other people to buy. And so there's a segment in our society in America who have been socially engineered to be consumers. They are consumption oriented. That's why they don't own anything. They live in neighborhoods and don't own anything in the neighborhood that they live in. And everything that they buy, by and large, they buy it from people who don't even look like them. They put their money in a bank who won't even hire their son or their daughter in the summer with a summer job. And the reason they do this and allow it is because they have been socially engineered to be consumption oriented. So you can even mistreat them when they come into your business to buy something out of your shop. And even though you talk bad to them and you're rude to them, they'll still buy your product. Because they've been socially engineered to react that way, to respond that way, because they're not production oriented. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get you to understand that ownership is power. Are you hallelujah? I know maybe I'm not talking to everybody, but I'm talking to somebody. I know one person is hearing what I'm saying. That God has created you not to just be a consumer, but to be a producer. You got to do something to at least balance the scale. Because if all you are is a consumer, you're never going to have any money. Because everything you get, you're spending it out and nobody is spending to you. You're buying everybody else's stuff and nobody's buying nothing from you. Oh, Jesus. No, God's not against you. And the devil can't stop you. You're just operating in ignorance. Are you listening to the devil's not at your house? Oh, God, I know I'm making some of you mad. But the devil's not at your house. The devil's not everywhere. Only God is everywhere. Are you listening to me? I said the devil ain't everywhere. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. Only Elohim. Only God. The creator of the heavens and the earth. He's the only one who's everywhere at all times. Oh, Jesus. So, so your problem in many cases is not sin. And a lot of times it's not even the devil. It's ignorance. But we're taking the word of God and we're knocking ignorance in the head. Somebody ought to get God a praise and thank him. So shrewdness implies that, that sinners or unjust stewards are sharper than believers are. Well, the devil is a lie. A man who don't love God, don't care nothing about God, calling himself an atheist or whatever he's calling himself, he's not smarter than me. Hallelujah. The reason I say he's not smarter than me, because I, I have access to the wisdom of God. I have access to the wisdom of God, but the wisdom has nothing to be applied to if I don't put my hands to something. Is this, is this good news? 
Now, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Apostle Paul, he said, Brethren, I would not have, look at chapter 12, verse number 1. He said, Brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He said, Now concerning spiritual, uh, spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to what? What does it say? Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant. Well, God not only don't want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts, God doesn't want you to be ignorant about anything. God doesn't want you to be ignorant about who he is. God doesn't want you to be ignorant about what he can do. God doesn't want you to be ignorant about what he's already done. God doesn't want you to be ignorant about the life that Jesus has made available for you. God doesn't want you to be ignorant about the fact you're supposed to be the head and not the tail. You're supposed to be on top and not beneath. God don't want you to be ignorant that whatever you put your hands to is supposed to prosper, but you got to put your hands to something. God doesn't want you to be ignorant. Why? He doesn't want you to be poor. What testimony is that to the world that we belong to Jesus and we can't pay our bills? What kind of glory does God get out of our lives if we're walking around like paupers, like bad ones? No, God wants to show off his goodness. And the only way he can do that, he has to show his goodness off through his people. I don't know about you, but I'm a candidate tonight. God, you want to show off? I, here I am. I'm in line. Amen. Glory to God. And if there's other people in the line, I'm cutting the line tonight. Amen. Glory to God. I'm going to fight my way to the front. So Paul says, God doesn't want us to be ignorant. Ignorant means to be uninformed, uneducated. Ignorant means to be uninformed, to be uneducated, lack of knowledge. Ignorance means to be untutored, unaware. Are you listening to me? And God doesn't want you to be uneducated, untutored. God doesn't want you to be unaware of the promises that he has made available to every child of God. If you're sick tonight, there's healing available for you. If you're lacking in finances, there's prosperity available for you. If you're lacking peace, there's peace available for you. If you have to make a decision and you don't know which way to turn, there's help to guide you in the right direction. And God says, I don't want you ignorant of all that I have made available for you. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, they shall receive eternal life. They shall be saved. Uh, the, 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 uh, the Greek says they shall receive zoso, S-O, I mean, Z-O-S-O, zoso, I'm sorry, S-O-Z-O, zoso, Z-O-S-O. They should receive. In other words, God says when Jesus comes into your life and you make him your personal Savior and Lord, that you, you receive at that moment the God kind of life. And brothers and sisters, the God kind of life is not lack. The God kind of life, brothers and sisters, is not sickness and disease. The God kind of life, brothers and sisters, is not worried and stressed out. The God kind of life is casting every care that you have over on the God and rest in his ability to bring you through. The God kind of life is not being able to pay your bills. That's not the God kind of life. The God kind of life is not living from paycheck to paycheck. 
There's an abundant life that Jesus has made available for you. Now, it's not enough for me to have shared those truths with you Sunday and then to bring you to this point today where we're talking about the unjust steward. I'm going to share with you and show you precept upon precept, word upon word, verse upon verse, principle upon principle. I want to show you some things in the word of God that will cause your mind to shift, to cause your mind to change, that you'll lay down old ways of thinking and pick up this new way of thinking, which is the word of God, so that you can live the kind of life that Jesus has purchased for every child of God. Wow, what an amazing message. Thank you for listening to our Pathway to Faith broadcast. If you're ever in the Kansas City metro area, join Bishop and Dr. Howe at Harvest Church International Outreach, 4300 North Corrington Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri, 64117. Or catch our services live online at www.harvestchurchkc.org. Be blessed.